Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us on the R&B Godcast. We have an exciting discussion today, but it is such an honor to be able to participate in your life with Christ and your ministry. Well, so I'm Brad. And I'm Robbie. And this is the R&B Godcast. We are here to look deeper, to dig deeper into what it means to walk with Jesus and what it means to share our faith and lead young people to the feet of Jesus Christ. And today we have a very special topic, which is how do we make Jesus attractive? Which, of course, is sort of a a ridiculous thing because Jesus is attractive. However, (laughs) (laughs) however, young people uh, oftentimes don't know that. They get false ideas about who Jesus is or who Jesus is. Uh, was to them, right? Because they think of him as a past tense figure. Yeah, Some people yeah. even think that you know Jesus never existed, which is historically and even academically absurd. I mean, even the most yeah. you know rankly unbelieving academic can't reasonably deny the existence of the person of Christ. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as we think about what it means to make Christ attractive, I mean, really, Jesus is the absolute center of our faith. Mm. So, Robbie, what are your opening thoughts on on how we can let young people know how attractive Jesus is? Well, I think uh, personally as a teacher, uh, making something attractive that innately or culturally isn't attractive is part of the job. So, mm. I mean, you know, you come into a classroom and tell kids, hey, let's let's learn about biology and, you know, and, you know, it's fun and, you know, whatever. Uh, that, I think probably the gift of doing that uh, is a great gift, and then it's pr- probably a pretty <laughs> useful gift for for so many classrooms. But uh, naturally, it's really hard to make something that's innately unattractive. And not I'm, again, I'm not. We're not saying, and I'm not saying that Christ is unattractive, but rather like the perception of humanity, the sinful perception of humanity towards Christ, makes it unattractive to them. Mm. Uh, so it's <laughs> so yeah it's uh, the 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 job there is pretty tough uh, but it also as you continue you know with me being a teacher I kind of know how to sort of do that uh, to a certain extent and um, and I think the principle of young life uh, when it comes to that it's like earning a right to be heard and you know forming a relationship with someone so that they would have the capacity to see, uh, who, the beauty of Christ uh, as a reflection or your life as a reflection of the beauty of Christ. So uh, making Christ attractive to them is heavily, for me, is heavily contingent on how attractive your life is to them and hmm. how when you connect, especially when you associate your life with that of Christ, you associate your life with with your relationship with Christ, it then creates that bond. It then creates that connection that you and the way you live your life and the, the beauty of your life and the attractiveness of your life would ultimately show them what, how attractive Jesus Christ is uh, for them. So, uh, that uh, and I think it's uh, it's very much reflective. On like say for example, uh, some people hate math uh, for the rest of their life because they had this one math teacher that just ruined everything for them. Because it made they it was a horrible teacher. He he or she was uh, very strict. They didn't really teach properly. They weren't able to 
uh, share the theories and the the ideas and the principles of math to them in a way where they were excited to learn more about it. So uh, that's the same thing with how people would see uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, mm. And it uh, and I remember I remember that that saying that 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 wonderful saying that uh, I saw at the door of uh, of our faculty room uh, in in school. It says there that. Um, like be careful of how you live your life. It might be the only Bible some people would read. And mm. and for me that's like wow, that is so true and that is such an amazing phrase to to to, to incorporate in your life and to to remember cuz if you know how much uh how how powerful your life is in affecting how people perceive Jesus Christ, then you would be able to harness it in a way we're in uh, it would give uh, for lack of a better term it would give christ a better rep you know because you're the mm. representative of christ you're an embodiment mm. and an ambassador to his word and if you're a pretty sucky ambassador then a pretty much the well, whoever you're representing would would have a hard time looking attractive as well mm. That's a great point. And that analogy of teaching a difficult subject is really a fascinating one. Because when you think about why math, uh, why so many people don't like math or English or, 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 you know, language studies, reading, whatever it is, it's because those subjects are in, in, in naturally hard, right? They're unnatural to the yeah, student. Yeah. And so you need a good student, a good teacher in order to make those things accessible and attractive. And the differentiation that, that at least I would make here is that Christ, on the other hand, is is uh, easy to approach, is easy to come to. You know, he says, come to me, all you who are weak and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Christ is is eminently inviting and welcoming. So that is true. I think that versus in the academic world where you're fighting an uphill battle, the fact that this stuff is difficult or can be difficult Mm, for mm -hmm. any given student in any given subject to learn. But there's a great challenge for uh, people to come to Christ because of a handful of other influences. And you hit a big one, which is someone who misrepresented Christ in the past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that That could be someone who is a Christian who is a bad example or more more frequently those who are lying about Christ right yeah, and i yeah. think that's the thing that we see most fre- most frequently is uh non-christians whether it's in the media or whatever giving a poor representation or a false representation of what Christ is about mm-hmm. right and then when you have the uh, sin nature of a man so a person who is who does not know Christ is not saved is not born again all they have is their sin nature. All they have is their guilt and their shame. And they think of Jesus Christ and his absolute righteousness, and they say, well, I'd never be welcome with him, mm, right? Mm. And really, or they, they just know that they're guilty before God. And so their guilt and their shame pushes them away, whether they choose an academic intellectual uh, you know, barrier to try to hide behind or a personal anger barrier or rebellion barrier. But they're, they, they feel as if they're unwelcome before God because, well, because they are unwelcome before God. Yeah. And their unrighteousness. Yeah. However, that's why Christ, again, that's that's why our job is to to make Christ apparent to them because Christ is himself the door, right? Yeah. Like our job is to let people know, yes, you are goofed up and, and it's messy. We're all messy. We're all sinful. We've all failed. We've all fallen short mm-hmm, of God's standard. Exactly. But Jesus Christ is the one who paid yeah. that for you so you can come back to God and know yeah. peace and forgiveness and love, mm. right? So I, I, I really just think that teaching analogy is so great because, you know, a great teacher, as you pointed out, can turn someone who thinks they're bad at math into a math phenom, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they're able to help them access that kind of part of their brain. And so similarly, not the same, but similarly, uh, as as people, you know, we come to folks who think they hate Jesus or think they hate God or something like that, mm. and and like you said, through the demonstration of our life and Christ's love in our life, we have the opportunity to make them be at least willing to entertain the possibility that uh, that they could trust Jesus, that they could walk with Jesus. Yeah. So I yeah. really appreciate that. Really appreciate your your thoughts on that for sure. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so for for me also, like one thing that I also remembered and one thing that uh, also struck me as well with what you said was the idea that, you know, uh, it's kind of ironic to, to be in a position wherein we have to make Christ attractive to humans or to us mm. mere sinful beings and then have someone who is perfect who is flawless who has not sinned be more attractive for us that's so i, I that the that for me is a is such a, a sad sight a sad uh a sad you know image for humanity as to like how mm. self-entitled we are to to be the ones who need to be entertained by the one who should be you know, right there at the center at the throne, and um, hmm. and I think that's a the, the one of the the big best pictures for me of how Jesus plays a role. Really, the 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 true role of Jesus Christ uh, for us was like how we as tables we are you know, we're broken, we're ugly, we're we're stained and and just sad looking tables, wooden tables, and then all of a sudden this. This uh, this cloth, this very clean cloth, without a drop of stain, without a, a single drop of of wine or food stains mm. on it, just drapes over us, and we transform into a clean, wonderful creation. In spite of the flaws mm. that naturally is inside us, we are covered by the mm. cleansed and the the cleansing cloth of Jesus Christ, and we become more presentable. We become attractive. And we become, uh, you know, we, we then are welcome in heaven. We're then welcome in the kingdom of God. And it's only through mm. Christ. And mm. it's just funny to me how we need to exert this effort to make Christ attractive to us when we so desperately need to be made attractive because we're so flawed mm. and we're so sinful. You know, it's a <laughs> that's just a funny thought, and that's a sad thought at the same time. <laughs> it is, and it shows us. I, I think it, what you're what you're hitting on is something that's so important for us to all recognize: is that uh, Christ is is at core exactly what we need, and it's only the yeah. the misinformation that people have. I mean, one of the one of the things that I think makes Christ so attractive to us and makes, you know, so naturally attractive to us who are believers because we know him. And so, uh, and that, that, that people will be identified with is, as you met, as you kind of mentioned here, Christ's compassion. Christ yeah. was, Christ was here on earth. Like you said, perfect was sinless, never failed, never fell short, never had any uh, flaws of any kind. And yet he was constantly moved by compassion. One of the, uh, 
stories that I think illustrates this is in Mark chapter 3, and it's about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. It says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man who was there had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now here's the clincher. This is the big part. And when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts and said Uh to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as a whole as the other. Then the Pharisees Uh went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. So here we have this picture of Jesus who, who is, wants to heal as incredible compassion on this man with a withered hand and the pain and the difficulty that he has. And this happens multiple times in Christ's ministry. It's one of the things that struck the disciples most is that he has this tremendous compassion. And the thing that he gets angry about you know, we think of Jesus as getting angry about our sins or angry about our fail-ups or our, our goof-ups or whatever it is. But what makes Jesus angry is uncompassionate religious people mm. who would rather mm-hmm. see their little man-made rules followed than yeah. see a, a human being made whole. That yeah. makes him mad. So it's kind of funny to think that yeah. the people who wind up being the the like the bad press or the worst press for Jesus tend to be the ones that mm. are probably the ones he would be most uh, disappointed with, angry with, frustrated with, because he desires to see people healed and made whole mm. and full mm. and made better, you know, than, yeah. than they were. So aside from compassion, what do you think, what other attributes of Christ are attractive or could are, could be uh, perceived as attractive to a modern culture? Well, I think uh, for me, it's, uh, well, it, um, okay, so this isn't really a, a trait per se that could make him attractive, but then, mm. I don't know, it's a, uh, I'm just going to share it because uh, when I was in college, uh, I used to to hang out with some some guys and they 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 were christians right they they mm-hmm. they believed in christ they they had a relationship with him but something off there was something a bit off about especially about a few of them about the way they shared the gospel the way they shared their ideas and it seemed like uh christ and salvation and being with the father uh seemed to be or seem to have a threshold on how intellectually, you know, capable you are. Mm. If you're if you're incapable of understanding Christ on this level of intellectual like discourse, then I'm sorry, you can't be in heaven. If you're not smart enough, you can't be in heaven. It's a uh, mm-hmm. you have to understand. You have to be able to understand these principles and these doctrines in order for you to be legitimate children of God. And that disturbed me, and I remember it disturbed my sister as well because we went to the same college, and then um, we went to the same university, and then we we talked to our dad about it, and then he, my dad was in the U.S. at that time, so we emailed him talking uh, to him about these uh, things, and then I we remember when we received a, a reply, it was so powerful, and I felt that it really was uh, what we needed at that time because. Uh, he said, and I remember like he talked about how he also had experiences like that when he was studying um, in Bible school and even beyond Bible school. Uh, but at the very last portion of, and, and this, I remember this because of how you shared how the, the Pharisees really were plotting against uh, mm. Christ in so many different portions of the Bible and in the Gospels. Um, so uh, if you, if, yeah, so what, what he said in the email was, 
Um, if you've noticed, in the in the story of Christ, in the Gospels, the biggest enemy of Jesus were not the sinful people, were not the 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 lepers, were not the prostitutes nor the thieves, but rather the Pharisees or the religious leaders. Not because they were sinful, not mm. because they they did bad stuff according to the eyes of the law, but rather because it, they made it hard for people to understand the gospel or to understand God's law or to understand having a relationship with God. Mm. And so that's why it, it was so, it, it, they were so antagonistic um, from the perspective of Jesus was because not because they were imperfect or not because they were outlaws, but because they made it difficult for people to enter heaven or they made it seem difficult for people to enter heaven. And I think that's also one thing that makes, that would make Christ more attractive to so many different people. If we show them that Christ is entirely and so much accessible to mm. everyone that there's no, we shouldn't be gatekeepers saying up, oh, you're not, smart enough oh you're not attractive <laughs> enough oh you know you don't have the right nose or <laughs> oh you don't have you know the right influence or you don't come from the right family it's that's not it the, the mm. entire gospel of jesus and the entire mission of jesus is saying is the message of inclusivity of mm. of even if no matter what your background i still love you and you can still be with me and you can still have a relationship with me no matter where you are from, no matter what your background is, no matter what your race is or what your financial background is. I love you. Mm. And for me, that's, uh, that's so powerful because what I see from so many aspects, from so many different sources today, Jesus seems unreachable from the way they say things. Jesus mm. seems inaccessible only available to those with enough income or only available to those with enough intellect or only available to those with enough influence. Mm. And that's, that's completely what, what Jesus was against mm -hmm. uh, when he was here on earth and uh, preaching. Mm. So yeah, that, that for me, it's not really a trait. Um, uh, well, it is, I guess. <laughs> like looking yeah. back at it, it Still, is. He's, he's relational, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it highlights his love, and and his yeah. love will always be attractive. And the funny thing is, is like we like you pointed out, that's exactly what people want to stifle. You know, whether it's, you know, I think some people theologically come to this. Well, we're the chosen ones, and if you don't believe, <laughs> you're not chosen enough. And you're going, that is so counter and contrary. Whatever your theological presuppositions, it's so contrary to the heart of God that it yeah. that it's painful, right? It's painful yeah. to see. And and the fact that Christ truly is relational is so funny because relationship is what we desire, what we're hurting yeah. for, what we're dying for. Yeah. You think about all the hours that people waste on social media or on some you know app or computer program, tr just trying to gin up that feeling of being accepted, of being yeah. loved, of being in a relationship with others, and they know it never satisfies. And they think you know we think maybe it's just because it's this, it's this plastic, fake, non-relational mm. platform. Mm. That does that can never satisfy that. But then mm. you know, someone goes out and gets a lot of human relationships, and they go, they still don't feel fully known. I still don't feel fully loved. Mm. I still don't feel mm. fully accepted, because you're not. Even humans yeah, can't yeah. fill that relational need. Mm. And Jesus Christ is the 
perfect representation of God and how he wants to know you, not just save Mm. you, like sell you a ticket to heaven or even sell you fire insurance so hell doesn't catch you. But more (laughs) more than anything, he wants you to know him relationally, wants to to interact with you. He wants to indwell you. He wants to Mm. make you acceptable in the beloved. It's interesting because the church at Ephesus was also having these kinds of problems. And in Ephesians 2, Paul writes, says, therefore, remember you once Gentiles in the flesh because the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers had separation. The Jewish believers were like, hey, we're we're kind of better. We've got a better background. We've got a longer history with God. And you guys have all that pagan background. And so Paul writes, mm. you are uncircumcision or called uncircumcision, Gentiles, by what is called the circumcision, uh, the Jewish believers, made in the mm-hmm. flesh by hands that that time you were uh, without Christ, being aliens in the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And this is it. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood mm. of Christ. For he mm-hmm. himself is our peace who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. That's the law of Moses. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the, the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, so that's to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, that's us, and those who were near, that was the Jewish believers at the time, who uh, through him we both have access uh, by one spirit to the Father. What I love about this mm. is like you're saying, you know, we are always looking for some sort of metric that that, that we can say, well, he's closer to God or she's a more cr- <laughs> Christian yeah. person than I am. And the reality is we all have access. This word in Greek is the prosagoge. And it's uh, the image that it draws forth in, in many, especially kind of like Persian, ancient Middle Eastern cultures, was of a king who you know has a very a closed court and he holds court every day and if you wanted to get in and speak with the king then you had to have an entree or an announcement by the prosagoge and so here paul is saying that jesus is our constant announcement before the presence of the father and it doesn't matter, like you said, how smart you are, what your spiritual bona fides are, how much you know, how much you have, how much financial or economic resources you come to the table with, how much you can give or how much you can take, whatever it is. You have that access, that open access before God, not one person having a better standing before the Lord than the one bought for us in Christ Jesus. Mm. And I, I think that's, I think, as you point out, that's eminently attractive. That's powerful. Yeah. Is that, mm. that, and that's the message we need to be uh, pointing out, I think, in, in church environments, since I'm from a church background, uh, more so at this point. That's what we tend to get, get wrong. Well, you know, you're not mm. really close to God unless you have memorized the 52 finer points of our doctrinal <laughs> statement. You're not really closer to God until you finished our uh, Believer 101 course. You're not mm. re- and it's not that those <laughs> things are bad by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But if they're limited, giving the impression that you're somehow limiting access or gaining access by going through those programs rather than, hey, here's an opportunity for you to know Jesus better mm. and more, mm-hmm. then we're, we're fostering that same kind of limited access Jesus that yeah. uh, religion always wants to make. Yep. Mm. Exactly. Instead of like, mm. um, you know, how like, these are the way it's being the way Jesus Christ is being um, uh, marketed to say, you know, it's such a, such a weird way to say like marketed, <laughs> but you know, the way Jesus is being marketed by these churches, uh, instead of saying that, you know, having a relationship with God, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, accepting him as a personal Lord and savior, 
that's the whole th- gist of it and everything else are like expansion packs or <laughs> you know um, just add-ons it's it then becomes like a oh you can avail of Jesus Christ if you buy step one and you do <laughs> step two you know it's a it's um it's, it's it no longer again it no longer becomes accessible Jesus Christ no longer becomes readily accessible and no longer becomes you know uh, the 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 no longer has the image of a man with open arms ready to accept you regardless of who you are and accepting all your sins and carrying your sins for you and dying on the cross for your sins instead it becomes um you know uh, and i think that's a pit that's the pitfall of so that's a pitfall of so many uh believers um nowadays saying and you know for for so for so long as to like how you know they they say oh you know good works don't really bring you to heaven but then a lot of times they uh, um how do call they subconsciously mm. associate salvation with good mm-hmm. works or with whatever step by step process so it's a ten step Jesus process right it's that, <laughs> it's a, that awful backdoor backdoor work salvation because sometimes called lordship salvation yeah. it's disgusting right it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not saved by works but if you don't see works you're probably not saved <laughs> like okay so it's still me doing it then is that what you're saying it's still not the grace of jesus jesus was just nice yeah. enough to let me in so i could try to earn it myself right it's it's a total violation of god's grace yeah. and power and yes. the glory of god yeah. you're so right and yet in church in church particularly and again i only speak about church because that's my sphere in my background or yeah my my background here in church particularly there's that problem of trying to make a pecking order just as humans always try to do and and how do we do that well you know i never do this sin i would never do that sin and i would and so you condemning the person who does because as i read the word of god those people are accepted by jesus christ the righteous one and and even forgiven if they, you know, continue to struggle with with sin, with depression, with whatever it is that's really going on. Mm. And so I think that lack of authenticity can be really damaging to people's view of Christ. Yeah, exactly. And um, I there's this story that um, I remember because I I read a lot of stories and I read a lot of stuff. My dad, my dad has a lot of these like illustration books that you could use for Sunday sermons or or um, club talks. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading from one of those this story of a pastor and um, he he traveled to I think Hawaii or, or somewhere that was really far from where he used to live or from where he was living so he had like really bad jet lag and so he ended up waking up like 3 a.m. in the morning and um, just really feeling hungry so he went out and uh, tried to find a place where he could get some coffee and food and he ended up like in a, in a pretty uh, seedy diner where you know mm. all the the all the prostitutes would come in um, after their their shift is done, and so they mm. go they come in they they then this like whole group of of really boisterous noisy uh, prostitutes came in, and you know he wasn't being judgmental about how they look and stuff, but from basing off of their conversations, he could you know deduce that they were prostitutes and that was what they did for a living, so. Um, and then off of the conversations that he kept hearing was one of them talked about, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's my, it's my birthday uh, next week. And, you know, I've never had or like a birthday tomorrow or something like that. And then it's like I I've never had a birthday before. And, and then 
and then their friends were like, ah, blah, 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 blah. And then they, they brushed it off and they laughed at it. And then, so after they left, after the prostitutes left, he talked to the, to the diner manager and he was like, oh, you know, let, let's, let's throw them a party. And I, I like, I'm going to pay for stuff. I'm going to pay for food, but let's, I'm going to buy the cake and everything and let's throw them a party. And then, mm. um, the next day, so the, the diner was like, okay, you know, crazy guy, let's, <laughs> let's do this. And then, so the next day, um, once they arrived, once the, the prostitutes arrived, they surprised her like happy birthday. And she was shocked. She was crying. And then it's like, Oh, it's like, I've never had this before. And then, um, uh, there was a portion there where they made her blow the, the, ca- the cake, the candle, uh, out, uh, from a cake. And then they were about to eat. It's like, can I have this? Like, I've never had a birthday cake before. And I just wanted to savor mm-hmm. having a birthday cake. So they, she, mm-hmm. they, um, they, she went off and went back, it came back in and then had the party with the friends and, the manager talked to the pastor and he was like, it's like, so what do you do for a living? And he was like, Oh, I'm a pastor. It's like, what? It's like a pastor of what church? It's like, Oh, a pastor of a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3am in the morning. <laughs> and then it's like, no way, no way. Cause if that were true, I'd go there. <laughs> and I think that's, re- that's really the, the kind of, of, you know the kind of message that we send to, uh, and that's that's supposed to be how we we share gospel. And the best model for that is Jesus Christ. Mm. How, you know, how we make how we make Jesus attractive to other people is by simply following what he did, because he was attractive to those who who were lost. He was attractive to those who needed him the most. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he was repulsive to those who didn't, who felt like they didn't need him at all. Mm-hmm. And so it, it becomes, um, it, it should be, it should be the model that we, we should uh, follow um, when we try to, when we try to solve that mystery of how do we make Jesus attractive to today's youth uh, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that story really like got me when I read it, and and uh, it, it made me realize like, yeah, it, it, it from the from the from like taking a step back and looking at it, that would be that wouldn't be something I would do in a hundred years, mm. you know, mm. uh, coming from from my background. Mm-hmm. But the moment it it the the moment you do that, the moment you do those things, and your life simply just becomes a reflection of Jesus's life and Jesus and who Jesus really is. Then you then, you know, and you then bring in people, you then make Christ more attractive because how you treat people and how you share um, Christ through your life would ultimately be your best testimony. Mm. Amen. Amen. When, you know, another thing that I think uh, that we could, that we need to present in Christ, I mean, I, I think we've hammered, hit very hard on, and duly so, on the fact that Christ is mm. relational, Christ is compassionate, Christ is loving, Christ is forgiving, um, but one that we might often misunderstand or miss 
is that uh, Christ is, is is truth, right? And the funny thing is, is yeah. we live in this world where information is more available than ever before, right? You can go on mm-hmm. on the internet and check things out. You can go to you know Snopes or whatever these other uh, fact checking sites is, and everybody's fact checking. <laughs> yeah. And then what you find out the more you look into the fact checkers is that they're all liars too. Like there is mis- yeah. there's actually not more information out there than before, although there might be by some marginal point. There's really just more misinformation out there than before. Mm. And so mm. there's there's more opportunity to get misinformed, especially if you actually mm. want to, and um, start to wonder, you know, when you, it's fine when you're stuck in your own little club, your own little political party, because they all sit around and go, yeah, our facts are right, and our facts are right. And the other side goes, those aren't the facts. These are the facts. And you go, oh, who, 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 who do you know what to believe? How do you know who to trust in this? And um, while I do think there can be some value mm. to, you know, doing some obje- in, objective investigation and, you know, trying to be objective. Mm. The point that I that I think that is really of value is that Jesus Christ is not just one of those potential perspectives of the truth. Mm, John mm. 14, he's uh, telling his his uh, disciples that he's going to go away. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you to myself that where i am there you may be also and i and know and where i go you know and the way you know and thomas said to him lord we do not know where you're going and we can uh, how can we know the way jesus said to him i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me See, this is really important because Jesus doesn't say, I, I, I'll show you the way. He doesn't say, I know the way. He doesn't say, I'll tell mm. you the way. He says he is the mm. way, mm. that trusting in him is the way to come uh, to a right relationship with God. He says he doesn't say he knows the truth or that you'll just find the truth when you sniff around the Christianity tree. He said he is the truth. He is the one objective truth. He's the one you know news story that can never be called fake news mm. by anyone who knows <laughs> The truth, right? And I think this is attractive because as we sit around and look around at the uh, shifting sands and expectations and so-called knowledge of the whatever, the scientific community or the philosophical community, it's a constantly changing, ever shifting, never secure uh, body of ideas and knowledge. And that's okay, Mm. right? Because that's what human perception is supposed to do. But Jesus Christ is the rock of unshifting truth. Mm upon which everything else and really your ability to know everything mm. else is built, mm-hmm. right? Um, as as uh, the author of Proverbs says with some frequency, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and elsewhere, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. What that means is that you cannot have objective knowledge apart from building it epistemologically upon Christ. Mm. So pointing out that really... Christ offers something that the world doesn't, which is not just your regular old human viewpoint, not mm. just the set of, you know, b- partisan biased facts that your either political disposition or, you know, b- subset of society believes in, but the objective truth of, against which all of humanity uh, can only orient itself in one direction or the other. So I think that that, I, I know, in fact, that for many people, that that objective truth, that objective reality that is outside our reality uh, of his truthfulness is something that's attractive. You want to come to Jesus and find what is real 
and what is false, mm. what is true and what are lies. Mm. And I'm not talking about just as you go through your, you know, our news feed. I'm talking about as we evaluate what's going on in mm. life. Mm. And the funny thing is, right, as you mentioned or as we've mentioned several times, people who claim to have a corner on the Jesus market or the spiritual Christianity market and say that their perception is the, you know, the only and the final is very often belied by the word of God. Mm. Mm-mm. But when you come to the Word of God, I've never met a person who's not made uncomfortable by the truth presented therein, mm. whether it's by the graciousness and the need of, or the fact that um, everybody has some behavior or sinfulness that they would like to uh, that they would like to see justified. Mm-hmm. But the Word of God says, "No, that's that's not that's not great. That's not part of my character, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm you know, your selfishness or your, you know, hatred or your prejudice, that's not allowed. Mm. But I, in fact, made all, made all things and, and love all people and desire to see. So desire to see all come to salvation. So I think that, that truth, that connection to actual objective truth Mm. is something that we can't, can't overstate in a world of, of shifting postmodernism and, and, and the idea that, well, I guess we can't know anything, so just choose your side and fight it out. <laughs> to me, that's very attractive. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's the truth, man. <laughs> and, uh, so I think, uh, and, and complimenting from what you just said earlier was how like that objective truth uh, that Christ is um, can be, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an awesome and, and airtight way to 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 portray how attractive he is um Mm. part of it i think as well is um because a lot of like a lot of um apologetics a lot of uh discussions of jesus christ and i think we've touched on it a little bit um, when we talked uh last time on spiritual conversations Mm. was um not just the the objective truth which is you know the 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 meat of it all but also how you handle it and how you, mm. you share it. And mm. um, oftentimes what makes it a problem is you have such an amazing database, such an amazing set of information, basically to put it in like researcher terms, you have such an amazing data set with you of how truthful and how accurate and how honest and how, how, how right god is and how 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 much of the the right choice he is but you're using it in a very combative mean spirited and you're acting like it's a weapon towards people Mm. and using Mm -hmm. it to oppress other people or to 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 show them how much of an intellectual you are or how high and mighty you are compared to to them then it loses its purpose it Mm. no longer becomes attractive because it hurts it, it it's 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 hurtful and it, and it's different from feeling uncomfortable because the uncom the, the 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 discomfort that you feel from knowing the truth and understanding the truth of Jesus Christ and and the truth that he brings and the truth that he embodies um it's a different kind of discomfort wherein you learn and you yearn to know the truth and you you yearn to 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 align yourself and parallel yourself with Jesus Christ, Jesus's mission and Jesus's direction. But mm. the, the, um, the pain that you feel from people who say, I bring you and I share with you my salvation story. You infidel, you stupid person, you, you dirty human being, you good for nothing worm. 
then the message of love and the message of of inclusivity and the message of of a, of a guy that loves you no matter what your background is gets lost by the pain and the by the 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 aggression and the the meanness basically of how it's being used so mm. as much as how a sword can be used to defend and a sword can be used to mm. to you know be a champion for a cause it can also be a symbol of of fear and pain and it can, it can drive people away and i think that's that's you know that for me is a can't is a is a tipping point as to how you, someone can be so knowledgeable and be such an unattractive uh, uh beacon of mm. of of Christ's word well and i think that you know what you're, what you're pointing out is absolutely true and it's again kind of points us back to that uh pharisaical religious leader thing is that there are people mm. who want to you know we've even, we hear the expression very commonly that knowledge is power and there are people who want power for its own yeah. sake so mm. they'll pursue even spiritual religious or biblical knowledge for the purpose of exercising power over someone else and i think that that is you know interestingly right they're only standing on half of the truth mm. they might be standing on th some of the truth of perhaps god's righteousness or how god you know regards a certain uh, sin activity or behavior but unlike the pastor in your excellent story they don't understand that that pastor what that pastor understood is that i can show this love for these prostitutes because mm. god showed that love for mm. me mm -mm. and i was no better Right. Mm, so mm. I think that that, uh, you know, that that what we might call abuse of truth is actually an abuse of half truths. Yeah. It's the part that I understand the truth enough to try to manipulate others with it. But I mm. don't understand the truth enough to recognize that that puts me in the place of the sinner and the prostitute. It never puts me in the place of the of the strong and self-righteous defender <laughs> of murderer of oh, I'm going to kill him. Blah, blah, blah. That, that doesn't exist if yeah. we have a thoroughgoing and full picture of the truth of God. And mm. so I think that's, you know, again, the the reality is is that whenever you have someone who is abusing that, you know, the reality of that that truth and and the reality of truth, I should say, as as it's given to us in the person of Jesus Christ, it's because they only have half the truth or mm. less, mm -mm -mm -mm. right? They're not truly, they're not actually uh, shaped by, impacted by the the reality that no, I mean, yes, you're sinful, you're a wreck, you're a disgusting, nasty blob of of sin and hatefulness towards God and everyone else. But so am I, mm. and God loved us anyway. Mm. That's the mm -mm. good news, right? Is mm. that, yes, we're all, you know, that we stand completely level at the foot of the cross. And that's what the truth, the actual truth does for us, is it It planes out all of the, well, you know, I've never done these five sins, or I've, <laughs> I'm, you know, very, I've been in church every Sunday since I was a child, or whatever it is that we view as being our little merit badges before God. It says, no, those are all worthless. Mm. And what's what's valuable is knowing how needy we are, how sinful we are, how hopeless we are, and how mm. loving Christ is, right? Mm. And that's the truth, right? If anyone yeah. can maintain any kind of spiritual arrogance, then the reality is that they don't know, as John, for John would say in First John, they don't know the truth at all, mm. right? Mm -mm. I'm not saying question their salvation, but the point 
the point being is that we very frequently, and this is kind of the enemy's greatest trick, right, mm. is to take the uh, take the reality and the truthfulness of Christ, and by making it a half truth, and by introducing, like you said, that hatredness, that exclusivity, that or hatredness, goodness, but that exclusivity and that bitterness. Mm-mm. Once you put that in there, then all of a sudden people say, "Well, I don't want any truth at all," mm. because because all I got out of that guy was that I'm a nasty sinner. I'm not as good yeah. as him, and I never <laughs> yeah. will be. Yeah, right. So yeah. I th- I think that's. I mean, it's, it's just a very well put, well taken point. Is that people are longing for truth? Mm. We all do, right? We all mm. long for the truth. It's why we all go to our again our various mm. you know, websites, fact checkers, newspapers, uh, mm. textbooks. We're looking for things that are true, that are good, solid, positive, you know, mm. right information that's, that orients to reality mm. and states of affairs as we see them now. And yet what, we, uh, what the Bible points out is that this is God's revelation of himself in the Word of God is the objective truth. Mm. And yet if that's weaponized against people, then they're going to say, well, you know what? I, I'm just going to reject that truth altogether and never know the grace mm. and love of Christ mm. that satisfies both their need to recognize that we're wrecks, that we need him, and and that he loves us and he has saved us, right? Mm. I think Christianity just, Christianity satisfies the whole human condition, Mm. you know, whereas um, atheism and godlessness just leaves us to say, well, I guess I'm a wreck and I feel bad sometimes. And that's why so many, you know, atheists and and existentialists wind up committing suicide, because who cares? Yeah. I'm not having fun anymore. May as well snuff it. Yeah. Right. Of mm-hmm. course they do. And you know what? They're right to do it in terms mm-hmm. of the fact that they're consistently living with their philosophy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just mm-hmm. existing has no merit. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and additionally, right. You know, when you look at the truth offered by the kind of pho- phony baloney, new age, you know, kind of Eastern religion, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever, at least in the American kind of perversion of those ideas like mm. oh it's just it's just karma it's just sweet it's just uh, that, that it's like but that doesn't deal with the fact that, that there's sin and there's horror and disgusting terrible things going on in this universe mm. right Mm-mm. and that's what's so important is that the bible gives us a way to understand god's way to understand the tragic nature of reality and mm. say it, it is tragic it is horrible god never intended it and he sent christ to save us from it from ourselves yeah. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. and so we can look at the world with reality and say, "Look, I don't, I don't, I don't trust in these guys or those guys. I don't trust in this human authority or that human authority. I trust in God's authority, mm. God's love, God's grace, God's desire to see everyone come to salvation, mm. to see people healed. Mm. That to me is that to me is is very attractive, mm. right? Yeah, um, and." For sure, some who are so partisan in their thinking, like, oh, I'll never leave my my camp, whatever my camp is. Um, but that's exactly what Jesus Christ did, right? Mm. He called the Pharisees to say, stand away from your camp. And the Sadducees, stand away from your camp. And the Zealots, stand away from your camp and come stand with me. Come stand with God. Come stand with truth and love and righteousness and salvation and mercy. Come stand apart from all the mess and muck and mire of this world mm. and, and people pursuing power and and. and be what God designed you to be. Yeah, Amen. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's really tough um, nowadays. It's really you know from from the perspective of someone who works in ministry and probably you know it's at the front line of of the mission to make Christ attractive. Because I feel mm. like the youth, for one, the youth are 
the youth right now is the generation that, or any generation basically, it's the young mm. people that get the biggest brunt of the either the negativity or the pessimism mm. or you mm-hmm. know just the the flack of mm. of how badly this whole message of Christ is being um, you know is being shown because they receive they often don't give out ideas they often don't have much ideas to give out considering their inexperience um and, you know despite certain instances wherein they can give out and they can speak out for themselves but for the most part they go up receiving and receiving and and it's it's you know it's just it's sad how um mm. for the most part it's terribly inaccurate of the nature of Christ's loving you know ministry mm-hmm. and at the same time it's uh it's it it's not just inaccurate it's also contradicting it's contradictory to the whole thing of Jesus loves you it's um mm. you know Jesus will love you eventually if you do these or if you are <laughs> these you know <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I you know it's a as a as someone who works with youth ministry, it's uh, often clear when you talk to someone, and you start opening up to them, and then you start sharing Christ to them, and they all of a sudden go wide eyed and think, "Really, that's that's who Jesus is." I've mm. you know I've grown up thinking he was this you know mean old guy who doesn't want us to have fun. And mm-hmm. just always is a party pooper, mm-hmm. and you know it's a the that life, you know, oftentimes is you know just uh, it's there is no purpose to my life because who am I anyway? I'm mm-hmm. not rich. I'm I'm not smart. I'm not pretty. Mm-hmm. So then, <laughs> the 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 insecurities, the 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 innate. Um, wickedness of of their environment added to that the the lack of information and the lack of of um the lack of christ being that person that they can cling on to results in very much you know the very much a, a lonesome existence up until the time that someone finally came up to them and shared to them and show them who Christ really is and that Christ is not just um, this guy who, you know, wants to ruin your day. He's not that guy who wants to ruin <laughs> your day, but rather he's this guy who is so accessible, who is so attractive and who loves them no matter what. And, you know, mm. that's just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's so frustrating, but at the same time, it's so, it it makes my fire it makes the fire in me burn like there's so much work to do mm. and that's an exciting thing but that's also mm. a scary thing yeah, you know and it's really interesting cuz as you pointed out you know someone says i someone says i'm not pretty i'm not wealthy i'm not they think about what they're not and i think that most of humanity that i see 
will say, well, I'm not rich and I'm not smart, but I'm really pretty. Or I'm not pretty, but I'm really smart. Or I'm, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they, yeah, it yeah. is funny that they that, that most of us just in trying to get by in this world, right? We'll find mm. something like, well, I am, I'm really good with money. I'm really good with this. or I'm really good with music. or And so we try to lean on that strong leg, whatever yeah, that yeah. strong leg is mm. for us. Mm-mm. And another huge portion of of making Christ uh, attractive and known to people is helping them recognize like, okay, yeah, you're really pretty or you're really smart and that's still not enough. Yeah. And even if you were rich and smart and pretty and uh, all those things, right? Even if you were all those things, it still wouldn't be enough. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. this, this reality that like what I see is people trying to very frequently uh, post out on the false hope of the one thing that they are good at or slightly better than average or whatever it is and saying, no, no, that's great. And God made you Mm. pretty smart, funny, wealthy, whatever. But the point is, is that it'll never bring you the satisfaction, the wholeness, the fullness, the forgiveness, the peace in life that you need to find in Christ. Mm. Right? I mean, and, and, and again, pointing out that we need to redirect and reshape their perspective on who mm. Jesus is. And yeah. what I love about this is that there's not a single passage in the Gospels that you couldn't turn to to mm. revolutionize their, you know, their points. So if we were to into the tip or the, sorry, the point of who Jesus really is. So if we're into tips, tricks, and tools, I mean, at any point in time, when you're talking to any person, young person or otherwise, especially if you're talking about Jesus in there, well, you know, Jesus is just the, the guy who's trying to keep me from having fun. You'd say, well, you know, it's kind of funny because if I turn over here in the Bible, we find where Jesus is constantly dining with tax collectors and sinners and his enemies called him a drunken and a, a drunkard and a glutton. Like, mm. so he was clearly a fun guy and not to say that he ever got drunk he didn't abuse alcohol nor was he a glutton he didn't overeat but the point is is he was having so much fun he was so fun to be around that that was what his enemies attacked him with Mm. right Mm. and so you Mm. can look at the word of god and they say well you know i just don't see christians angry enough about injustice in the world and you say you know what you're right but if we turn over here we can find where jesus is very angry with the same people who are abusing others and, put, like I say, putting st- stumbling blocks between them and God based on their, you know, legalism or self-righteousness. So, mm. I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's, it goes to show you that if you can get someone to come to that place of honesty and say, can we just read through the book of Mark or the Gospel of John together and just read through one instance, one encounter with Jesus every week or every time we meet? And, and, and talk about mm. who Jesus is and compare that to who Mm-mm. you think Jesus is, Mm-mm. right? Whether it's from television or movies or your own preconceived ideas or wherever you're getting information, even your old church, right? Because there are plenty mm. of churches out there who are giving an accurate, inaccurate view of mm. Christ and his love. So, um, so, yeah, I think that'd be my tips, tricks, and tools. As we round our, uh, our, our 55th minute of of broadcasting i would love to hear your uh, your final summary on what i think has been a, a very fruitful discussion well for me i think uh when it comes to when it comes to having jesus or when it comes to to the mission of of making christ attractive what we really need cuz you know when you look at christ in terms of power you've seen his miracles the miracles that he performs in the Gospels, and you could see that in terms of power, in terms of of, of of abilities and and capabilities, he's attractive. In terms of personality, you see he's very sociable. You see, you know, the kind of people that he hangs out with, he's attractive. When it comes to how 
you know, verbalizing ideas and sharing thoughts. He attracts crowds to thousands of thousands. He's attractive. Now, the question then is, when you're trying to share Jesus, whose image are you putting up on a pedestal? Mm. Is it his or yours? Because I think that's the question that a lot of people should always ask before they start sharing Jesus Christ to other people. Mm. Are they forwarding an attractive image of Jesus or are they insinuating that I'm more attractive than you because I have Jesus and you're just ugly because you don't have Jesus in your life? What Mm. kind of Mm. message are you sharing with that? And Mm. will that Will that allow people to be drawn more towards Jesus or are you driving people away? Mm, So mm. for me, you know, in terms of making Jesus attractive, technically speaking, there's nothing you could do to make him more attractive. Mm -hmm. He is the epitome of attractiveness. Mm. But with the story and with the truth that you have of Jesus Christ and the, and the, the knowledge and the uh, the knowledge of of the, the the salvation that you have with your relationship with him what are you going to do with it and how are mm. you going to share it and how are you going to live your life and what kind of life would people see if you have Christ in you mm. you know mm-hmm. so make Jesus uh, you don't have to make Jesus more attractive than he really is mm. you just have to you make can't. sure you can't you can't <laughs> there's no way Mm-hmm. All you have to do is to simply share his truth and live mm. it as truthfully and as Christ-like mm. as you can. When I'm reminded to recap of John 12:32, and Jesus speaking says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, obviously, this was a reference to when he was lifted up at the cross, but I think there's a mm. secondary application for all of us is that all you have to do mm. is lift Jesus up in your conversations, Mm, in your actions, and he will do the drawing. If you raise him up, he (laughs) will draw all people to himself. Now, how they'll respond, that's totally a different uh, issue. But the point of the the matter is, is that when you lift Christ up, and when you think of Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his own love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated, he showed us, he introduced his love in Christ. Mm. All you have to do is point to Jesus. The response of that, like you said, you can't make Jesus more attractive. You can't come up with a better presentation other than one that just clearly shows who he is and letting people respond. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, this discussion. It's been (laughs) really encouraging to my soul uh, just because any time I think about Jesus. (laughs) So... If you are a first-time listener, we'd love for you to subscribe mm. to our uh, to yep, our podcast yep. and share it out and spread the word. What else can they do? Um, they can. Uh, I have not gotten <laughs> around to making that email address. I should be making that today, but um, I will make sure because, uh, yeah, b- by the time this gets released, we're gonna have that email ready for you to uh to send anything any thoughts that you have any any questions you want you might want to ask uh you can send it to rnbgodcast at gmail.com uh for mm-hmm. us to to read through if you have any you know any stories that you want to share or any any thoughts that you want to share to us and that you want to share as well to the other listeners then we're more than happy mm-hmm. to read those out uh so that you know to add to the conversation as well so mm. yeah 
and please uh, <laughs> leave a leave a comment and subscribe. Yeah. And if you're so bold as to share, then please do. But I mean, even just going on uh, Apple Podcasts or on uh, whatever whatever site you're using yeah. and leaving a rating it goes a long way to mm-hmm. get exposure before other people mm-hmm. um, and help help with getting the word out and I hope that we can continue to be or this time can be continue to be encouraging and edifying mm-hmm. and equip mm-hmm. you to show the love of Christ to young people throughout the world yep amen amen alright so in, in closing I've been Brad and I'm Robbie and this has been <laughs> R&B Godcast see you guys <laughs> next time <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>